Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This and the book of Helaman. That's what I think of every time I say that. I think you taught ninth grade too many years. I never did. Oh, no. That's well, just my spirit. Now you're getting it out now. It's my spirit. Okay, okay we are in Gila Man, um, <laughs> chapters one through six. Yeah, one through six. Um, a really rad story at the end of this, a sad story at the beginning of this. This ends happy. Nobody be... Sad. Sad. When we start sad <laughs> as we go okay. through. So and we love this book. You need to know. We love the book of Elaman. One thing we want you to be thinking of as you're going through is, um, remember at the very beginning when we talked about the Book of Mormon kind of as a pattern for our day? These are all the events that are going to lead up to Jesus Christ coming at the temple. So it's really fun to be watching for things that would be applicable to us now. Lessons particularly that would be applicable. Now. Yeah, especially as we arc toward the second coming, you know. Yeah. Which I heard was this fall. Oh, you say that every year. <laughs> For nine years he's been saying In that. In one year I'll be right. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Helaman 1 through 6. We kind of shift over out of... Um, you kind of like the introduction at the beginning of all these books. Here's the account of the Nephites, their wars and contentions and dissensions, the prophecies of holy prophets before the coming of Christ. These are according to the records of Helaman, whose dad is Helaman, so, Helaman, who's Alma, Alma, Helaman, Helaman. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. Nobody was very clever or creative. And remember in the last video we talked about there was, what was the word? Dangerous. Um, you just want to go back. Yeah. Because you love that this one reminds us, in case you forgot what was happening in Dangerous Alma. circumstances. Dangerous circumstances. In verse 1 it tells us, um, there began to be a serious difficulty among the people of the Nephites. So we're just seeing this um, cycle. And what's interesting is this one, we kind of hinted last, last week about this. This one comes from within, where last time it was a force from without that caused the the major problems. It was the Lamanites, enemies attacking them. This Even time, though they did have problems within, don't get yeah, confused. Because yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. they had all the dissensions and contention and things that were causing things inside, but they had outside coming. This time, all of the um, problems that we're going to see are kind of within. Yeah, which is interesting because you get this attack from the Lamanites, interestingly enough, um, that's about to happen. Um, that that's a unique way of attacking it. It's almost like it's hinting at what the actual issue is among the people. So here's the story. Um, you've got Pahoran, who was that awesome chief governor. You remember, we didn't do this story, but Moroni, remember he gets kind of has this, um, he's on house arrest because there's like this coup in the government. And Moroni writes in that really nasty letter. 
telling him, like, you are sitting on your throne like a big slob, doing nothing while the rest of us are dying out here, and the blood of all these people are going to be on your hands. And he just really rails him. And then you just love that Pahoran just assumes the best. He's like, right. he must be having a hard day, so <laughs> I'll help. His How letter can I is help? so sweet, but yeah. it's like, he even says, like, I love your passion, Moroni. <laughs> you got such a good heart, you know, and you're kind of like, he railed on you, dude. So he has three sons. He has more than three, but there are three who are kind of up for vote to be the next. Um, this is kind of scary timing since we're up for a vote right now. Um, <laughs> I love that we're up for a vote. I know, because it's like... Put your head on your desk. So you've got Pahoran the second, pa- uh, Pac-Man, and Poncho. Um, so <laughs> something like that. That's not their names. <laughs> that's not even close to their names. What? Pahoran, Pacumeni. Paanche. Poncho. Ponchi pa- and Pac-Man. Pac-Human Eye. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I like my people better. <laughs> and all three of them are kind of want to be the next chief judge. Well, the majority vote goes to Pahoran II. And Pac-Human Eye, or Pac-Man, as his friends call him, um, ends up uniting with Pahoran and the voice of the people. But then um, Ponchi and his crew. <laughs> what do you want to call him? <laughs> That's fine. Okay. <laughs> what would you what would you say? P A A N C H I. Well, remember when sometimes there's two A's you have to go pa anchi. Pa anchi? Okay. Pa anchi? It's pa-an- probably pa anchi. Okay, no one look it Anyone up and don't send really us an email. <laughs> we don't, we don't. Teach all the people yeah. how to say that. All right. The problem is he starts the problem. And you see it in verse 18. <laughs> it's because of his name. That's yeah, why. well, yeah. He's mad. See? Um, they should have just named him Pahoran the Third, but it says in verse eighteen, it came to pass that because of so much contention and so much difficulty, wait, you in forgot the government, about when he murdered his brother. Holy moly! That's in verse nine. Okay, Ponchi um, puts together this like coup of this guy, and they choose this guy. His name is Kishkumen, and he goes in and actually kills the governor um, while he's there. So Pacumeni actually then becomes the second governor of the city. While all this is going on, because everything's like such a mess, this there is this dissenter from the Nephites who's in among the Lamanite armies. And this is so interesting. You keep seeing words like that. You keep seeing dissenting, um, dissension, confusion, contention. contention division, like it's, yeah, yeah, among the people. And it seems well, to be and the stir source them of up. the problem. What about yeah. stir them up? Right, and yeah. man, you just can't help but think about like how much you can see some of that happening. People being stirred up over issues to fight, and it is that it's just causing so much divisions among the people. You see that in verse four. Um, but then this guy comes in, this Lamanite army comes in, and it says, "This is interesting." He wo- comes in with such great speed; they weren't even ready for him to show up. In verse nineteen. And he comes right through the entrance of the city and comes right into what it says is the heart of the city. Um, where's that verse? I the lost it. The heart of it. their lands. And it's right in 18. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, Moroniha, who's Moroni's son, who took over as the new kind of captain of the army, um, thought that he should strengthen all of these outer cities and didn't put too many guards like in the capital city. Um and this enemy ends up coming right into the heart of the city and kind of attacks just that center place. 
in there. Um, which is interesting because you start thinking about the problems really are, they start from the inside with all these people. So that's what I was saying where this mode of attack from the Lamanites kind of is reflective of what is actually going on in the inside. It was their heart that was attacked. And I love on here you've got these circles and then this heart in the middle. Um, it's so interesting to think about what's happening on your peripherals and is that where all of your strength is? And what's taking place in your heart? What's happening there? Um, and are we remembering to do that check on what's my center? What's my balancing thing? Um, is there strength in my center? Because sometimes the peripherals are everything else that consumes your time. Right. And we forget about what's happening inside. Or even like the good habits or anything like that could be our peripherals, the programs and stuff like that. And yep. it's like, wait, what about that check on the heart? I was just reading section 59 of the Doctrine and Covenants, and I'm not going to be able to remember what the phrase is, but it hinted at this whole idea of one of the purposes of the Sabbath is to recenter the heart. Mm. Right, to have that like, wait, where do my allegiances lie? Where does my loyalty lie? How is my how is my heart doing? Um, so you, it's interesting that the enemy attacks the heart that was not very well guarded in this one. Uh, in this next chapter, as part of this whole commotion, we meet someone who is famous for a really bad reason. Wait, um, we should better say what happened. They come in. They come into the center. They take it. The man who takes it feels really confident in the fact that he's gotten in there. And I love that it does say, because he supposed that the greatest strength was going to be in the center. And I do love that you can see some of that stratagem in the son of Moroni. That Moroni ha, um, had great advantage because now the strength was all there. And um, they end up going back in and taking the city and sending all the Lamanites back out. That... Um, that process was quick because there was strength somewhere. And I think that's important to just look at um, where where is your greatest strength? Where's your weakness? What's the part that needs to be worked on? And how can we balance that so that we're more protected? So that whole thing happens. And then we get introduced to... Um, Gaddy Anton. So he will be famous. And it is Moroni <laughs> <He'll> be, <laughs> he is famous. in the Book of Mormon who actually says to you in Helaman chapter 2, verse 13, as a side note, as he's writing the record, he says, And behold, in the end of this book, you will see that this Gaddy Anton did prove the overthrow, yea, almost the entire destruction of the people of Nephi. And then I love that Mormon, I meant to say Mormon, Mormon when he's writing, he says, I, I don't mean the Book of Helaman, by the way. I mean the end of the book of Nephi, like all the plates, which I'm taking this account, which I have written. So you so just cute. like He's it. like, He's I just might have like... just made a little mistake here. I'll fix it. It's too hard to correct scribing into yes. metal. That he's yes. just like, I will just fix this. But I think this verse is interesting. Oh, we better move out of the way. And I'll point this out while we move. Um, you see eventually the overthrow of the people. But I, 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 I want to know why. Why is, what is so wrong that's going to eventually cause the overthrow of all the people? And verse 8 is so interesting because it says, When the servant of Helaman knew the heart of Kishkumen and how it was his object to murder, and also that it was his object of all those people to murder and to rob and to gain power over other people. That that seems to be like what their object was. To be better than someone else. To be right to be stronger than, um, and, and that seems to maybe be the core or the heart of the whole issue. Um, okay, 
We have this cycle that all of you might be really familiar with um, if you studied the Book of Mormon before, because you're going to see no matter what the circumstances are, it just keeps showing up. Um, this, what some people have called the pride cycle. It's just kind of like the cycle of the heart mm -hmm. is really what's going on here. So it starts right here with a description of like just living the good life the good stuff right where you see a time period once this whole issue with gaddy anton and his band and the government and all that gets solved you see this period of like oh it's so good and it's interesting because as we look at pride and we're going to talk about it when we get here but as you see this pride cycle um in chapter three we're introduced to it right at the beginning when it says everything was actually going good and there was no contention except there was a little pride and in a bit when things get um worse you're going to see that there is exceedingly great pride that has gotten into the hearts of the church so that's what we want to be watching for as we go through um so they're living the good life everything's going so well um there's a little pride but other than that all is good and and you'll see as you look here what that means is um, there was a lot of prosperity it says lots of people were coming into the church there was rejoicing, there was peace, there was joy, there was unity. Um, people were happy. Everything, um, oh, there was a continual rejoicing. We loved that description that was taking place. And this is the land from the Lord about what the solution's going to be. It's almost like it's snuck in there. Verse 27, we see that the Lord is merciful unto all who will in the sincerity of their hearts call upon his holy name. Right, look to him. The gate of heaven is open unto all. Yep. You love that verse right above where it's talking about tens of thousands of people are coming into the church right now. So that's what's happening. That's where they're living. And um, the reason why it tells us in verses 27 through 30 and 35, because they yielded their hearts to God. They prayed, they fasted, um, they were sanctified and purified. Um, they listened to the word of God. They taught the word of God. That, that, kind of um what do you want to say like circumstance or those kinds of things led them into a time of a lot of peace and joy and people coming into the church it just it feels so like welcoming and happy right right and isn't it interesting i'm just like seeing this like again and again and again really like these are all like that phrase right there yielding your heart over to him right and just that how it all really just starts on the inside and yeah. then either it's going to look like this or it's going to look like this, yeah. you know, depending on what's starting right in here. Yeah. So then we get to 36 that tells us it came to pass in the 52nd year. It ended in peace except for the exceeding great pride which had gotten into the hearts of the people. And it was because of their exceeding great riches and prosperity in the land. And it did grow upon them from day to day. So you, now you're going to start filling that entering in. Do you like how that for, it's like a like a mold, you know, in 36, it did grow upon them from day to, you know, it's like it got in their hearts and yeah. then it just grew in, yeah. inside there. It's kind of gross. Um, so then we're going to go to um, what happens and, and what pride looks like. Um, it's so interesting. Verse 12 is such a good example in chapter four of what pride looks like. And there's actually 12 things in verse 12 that describe what that. Is. And maybe I should have pointed like this and said, compare like this box with this box. Yeah. You know, That's and so these true. boxes. This leads to this. 
and this leads to this. So words you want to be looking for to fill this part up are um, pride and wealth, um, oppression of poor, um, the smiting the humble people, mocking of sacred things, denying the spirit of revelation, murdering, plundering, lying, stealing, adultery, contention, and um, deserting the church. That's what starts happening now. So that's what you start feeling going on. Um, and that's going to lead to them becoming weak. And it's so interesting. The reason why it says they're weak is in Helaman 4. And this is kind of all in um, verses 21 and 24, um, where it tells you, um, they were weak like unto their brethren, the Lamanites, and the Spirit of the Lord did no more preserve them. Yea, it had withdrawn from them, because the Spirit of the Lord doth not dwell in unholy temples. So it's just so interesting that as they became weak, as they started focusing on this instead of this, what was the first thing to leave was the Spirit and their ability to communicate with the Spirit. And as soon as they lost that communication with the Spirit, it says the Lord did cease to preserve them by His miraculous and matchless power. I think that's so interesting that it makes you realize how integral the Spirit is in the miracles and the workings of God. Yeah, and also, like, I think it's interesting that a lot of times you will see in Scripture where it talks about then the judgment of God came upon these people. And really what is happening is the people have just asked God to leave. Um, and they don't know that He's been preserving them with His matchless mm -hmm. power. And once they ask Him to leave, once they choose to not have him be a part of their life and their city and their, then he steps out of the way. Yeah. And then, you know, this, the Lamanite army is, is kind of going to, to come in. Yeah. Um, so then it's going to tell us as soon as they recognize this is the problem, then they're going to repent. And this verse is so awesome where it talks about, um, Helaman 4, 15. Um, they did repent, and inasmuch as they did repent, they did begin to prosper. I love how quick the Lord is to forgive, to say, if you turn back to me, I will turn back to you. It's, that's just how fast it is. Um, and all of that goodness then enters back into the story again. Yeah. But then we're just going to watch this happen over and over again. So we pointed out here, we'll watch for it to happen as we go through... Um, all of these final books because we'll see it all the way through to the end. Um, um, I like this. Um, if you look down a little bit further into chapter four, just one other synonym for repentance. Remember when we found that one in the yes. book of Alma that was so rad? It was so good. Um, here's maybe another one, another description. of. Remember we love talking about how repentance means to turn. That in this spot right here, pride is a turning away from God and that a repentance is a yielding your heart back to him. Look in 25 for this other kind of definition of repentance. It says, therefore the Lord did cease to preserve them by his miraculous and matchless power. This is 425. For they had fallen into a state of unbelief and awful wickedness. And they saw that the Lamanites were exceedingly more numerous than they. And except they cleave unto the Lord their God, they must unavoidably perish. Yeah, that's so good. And I love thinking about that as a synonym for repentance. I was like, what's it mean to repent? Oh, it means to cleave unto God. It means to turn back and just trust Him and hold on um, mm -hmm. to Him. Um, then we get to Helaman 5, which is such a great chapter. Um, 
The things you want to be looking for in Helaman 5 are things that teach about Jesus Christ and the word remember. You're going to see it over and over um, there. And um, we wrote down some of the remembers. Yeah, so lost. this is Helaman. And you can almost see like him as the dad. And he's going to kind of, the, the it's going to get passed on to Nephi and Lehi. Right, which are his two sons. He's named them Nephi and Lehi, which he'll tell you in a second is after the original Nephi and Lehi, right? Um, but almost like he sees all of this happening. And he sees like, oh, people just go through this. And sometimes they experience heartache and, and judgments, the words that they use, that they don't need to, right? And we just love the idea of remembering actually circumvents all of this. Yeah. That once a person gets here, like, oh, what? You don't have to go through this. <laughs> you can just remember seems to be the cure yeah, for the pride take, cycle. Yeah, all of this out. And we're going to watch someone who actually does remember. We're going to watch somebody who's in the midst of this whole thing come out of that. And it's so interesting because what the change of heart is for him is remembering. Um, and I love that we've got that story in here so we can watch and see what, what does it actually look like to come out of this in somebody's story. Um, so where is it? Where do we start? Oh, six, five. Oh, well, look at this. Let's just give you these. Or I guess oh, you that's could, a good idea. Yeah, yeah, five, six. Here are the things that he wants them to remember. First, I want you to remember um, to keep the commandments of God. Next, I want you to remember your names. But the reason I want you to remember your names is because I want you to remember the good lives that those men lived. And it'd be so fun to think back about Nephi and Lehi. I wonder what, why he named them after that, what he would want them to remember. Then three in a row, nine, 10, and then in 12, he tells them in nine, I want you to remember the words of King Benjamin. And remember, <laughs> that's going to be the key word here. Um, <laughs> When that rising generation started yes. to have the problem, Alma the Younger's problem was he didn't remember the words of King Benjamin. Isn't yeah. that interesting? And you love that Alma, that's what he wants to keep saying. You, you have to remember this in order to stay. Right. So, so in good. 9, he says, remember King Benjamin taught this. There's only one means whereby men can be saved yep. through the atoning blood of Jesus. In 10, he says, remember Uncle Amulek, who used to say, <laughs> that surely Jesus will come to redeem his people. And also remember verse 12, and this is maybe the most famous verse in the whole book of Helaman, right? He says, remember, yeah, remember. I love this one. It is on the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that you must build your foundation. Um, for when the devil shall send forth. Do you like that he doesn't say if? When the devil sends forth the mighty winds and the shafts and the no, whirlwinds and the like, storms. No, we don't like that it doesn't say if. Okay, we hate that it doesn't say if, but it's interesting that it says when, when this happens, um, remember it is upon Christ, the Son of God, that you must build your foundation. So that's what he wants him to remember. He's like, here is my best advice I can give you. Remember, remember. Yeah. So good. Okay, so then um, what's going to happen is we're going to get to this prison part of the story. Um, and it's going to be in Helaman 5. And we, in verse 18, we find out that Nephi and Lehi did preach unto the Lamanites with such great power and authority, for they had power and authority given to them that they might speak. And they also had what they were supposed to teach given unto them. And they did speak to the great astonishment of the Lamanites, to the convincing of them, insomuch that there were 8,000 
who were in the land of Zarahemla who were baptized and come into the fold. So it is so crazy that all through here, you're seeing like tens of thousands and 8,000 and all these people are coming into the church. And, um, and it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did proceed from thence to go to the land of Nephi. And when they got there, they're taken by an army and they're cast into a prison. And it happens to be the same prison that Ammon and his brethren were cast into by the servants of Limhi all those years ago. And they went a lot of days without food. And um, the Lamanites go into the prison and their intention is to kill Nephi and Lehi. That's what they want to do when yeah. they go in. And isn't that fun? I just I kind of just made this connection. I was like, oh, I mean, I, I love that, that they're in that same prison. But I think it's cool. Remember their dad said, hey, remember like who you're named after Nephi and Lehi. Remember the way that they led their lives. Remember how they responded to things. And I think it's kind of cool that they go into the same prison and maybe that's something that they're remembering. It's yeah, just like, and they oh. might have heard the stories of that passed down and it would strengthen their belief in the power of deliverance and what could happen in their story because of what had happened in someone else's story. Yeah, it's such a value of passing those stories down. So they're in this prison and then all of a sudden these um, the, La the Lamanite, what do you say, posse comes <laughs> to kill them because they're like, okay, that's our intention with you. We're going to come kill you. They come into the prison and then verse 23, it says that they, Nephi and Lehi, all of a sudden get surrounded by this pillar of fire. This is such a wild story, by the way. And it says it doesn't burn them. Um, and they start to take courage in verse 24 because it doesn't burn them. They take courage, but obviously everybody else is like... What's happening? Yeah, <laughs> right flabbergasted. Yes. Is that a real word? Um, and yes. they, they are just like crazy. They see this. Um they try to talk to them in verse 26, and they say, Fear not, for behold, it is God that has shown unto you this marvelous thing, that you cannot slay us. Right? And all of a sudden, this big darkness comes down mm -hmm. into the prison. And when this voice speaks to them, it just shakes like the whole prison. And it's just, they can't run. They see this pillar of fire, and it's just like this madness scene. Yeah, it tells us an awful, solemn fear came upon them. Um, and the fear is so strong, it's going to tell us they, they can't even move. That's how much fear they have. Right. Now, this is our favorite part. Um, we're mm -hmm. here, verse 35. Yep, verse 35. So here is this, like, unknown guy. And if we were continuing the book of Heroes, easy, he would be the next one on oh, the list. Oh, for sure. And like, actually, before even... you even get to him, let's just say why he's there. So that group of Lamanites who comes in um, to the prison to take Nephi and Lehi and slay them. It's not just Lamanites. It's also every Nephite who has left the church and has come over and joined the Lamanites. So that's the group who's in there. It's Lamanites and then it's Nephites who have left the church and um, obviously are not very happy because they're, they're in there and they also want to kill Nephi and Lehi. And this is one of those people. Right. In 35, it tells you that he was a Nephite by birth who had once belonged to the church of God, but had dissented from them. And this is awesome. It says, mm -hmm. it came to pass, verse 36, that he turned him about. And there is that repentance phrase again. Yeah, it's just right there. That it's, I love when you see, it's, it's the same as in the prodigal son, when he came to himself, right? It's just that moment um, of that little self-check when he's like, wait a minute. I, I'm going to turn myself about right now. And you're going to see a whole lot of things start happening within his heart, right? Within his 
center place. That's what's going to start happening right now. And when he looks at Nephi and Lehi and he see, he sees them like with their faces up to heaven, um, in the middle of a prison, they've got their faces looking up to heaven. And it says that they are shining. And something happens in that moment. He turns about and sees that. And don't you want to know what memory it triggered? Don't you want to know like what he remembered from primary or something or something that his mom or dad had said to him or a friend and and he has this moment where he sees him. Yeah, and it's interesting because you expect Nephi and Lehi to take control of this situation now, right? Everybody's in fear. There's darkness. Like everything's prepared for Nephi and Lehi to start teaching, but what happens... And they tried, right? And they tried from a fireball. Yeah. They are preaching from a fireball. Yes. There's an earthquake happening and nothing is going And then you love in 37, it tells you, and it came to pass that this man, Aminadab, did cry unto the multitude that they would turn and look. And there was power given so they could, and they could see the faces of Nephi and Lehi. And they say unto the man, what do all these things mean? And who is it that they're conversing with? And who loves that in this moment, this inactive man, this man who has left the church, a dissenter of the church, becomes the missionary in that moment. And um, he answers back and says, they do converse with the angels of God. And everybody who's with him turns to him and says, what shall we do? Oh, I just love that. That moment of them turning to this man um, and and asking that question, what shall we do? And what they want to know is, how is this cloud of darkness going to be removed from overshadowing us? Which is such an awesome question to think about that. I mean, don't you have times in your life when you just feel like that is how I would describe it. I feel like there is just a cloud of darkness. Yes. Like overshadowing me because... For sure, there's times in my life when everything is hard, but I wouldn't say a cloud of darkness is overshadowing me. You know, it's yes. just like, oh, it's just hard. But there is something yeah. happening here where it's like, what do we do? And and for those who may be asking that question, what do I do to have this cloud of confusion and darkness yes. leave? Well, here's the answer. And you love that it comes from this man who isn't living this story right now, but For some reason, he knows what's the way out of this place. And he says to them, repent and cry unto the voice, even until you shall have faith in Christ. When you do this, the cloud of darkness shall be removed from overshadowing you. And we love that word until. When we were reading this verse, we were like, it's so awesome that he's like, repent and pray. That's what you have to do. Turn back to Christ and pray. And you just keep praying until you have faith. Right. That's so good. The order of that is really instructive. That it's mm-hmm. not get muster up some faith in Christ and then cry unto him. But yeah. it's just like you cry until you have faith. It enters you. And I also so think it's good. so rad that he's just like who was taught unto you by Alma and Amulek. Yes. So you know he's been to primary before because yes, he like remembers. Like, remembers like, Don't you remember? Yeah. Yes, we know what to do. Yeah. And um, you love his influence, right? Remember we talked about Gadianton, who was going to have the power in the end. We're going to see he could overthrow the entire Nephite population. And then I love when the Book of Mormon does this and it mirrors it with one other person who... Um, who uses his voice and it tells us, and it came to pass that they all did begin to cry to the voice that had talked to them, that a hundred percent of the people he was with were influenced by 
what he was talking about, what he was teaching, by what he felt and what he expressed in that moment. And it really is interesting to think about that all of us have a group of people that we can reach. That you mm-hmm. would have thought that Nephi and Lehi, you know, it's almost like um, it's almost like you're thinking, man, how, what do I do to help so and so? Oh, I know. If we could just get the president of the church and one of the twelve to come, or these like, or and sometimes yeah. that works, right? For eight thousand people earlier, it did. But in this circumstance and in this situation, the person that they needed was Aminadab. Right, that that is the person whose testimony pierced their hearts, and I, I just that is so yeah. powerful it's for so good. to to just know like whatever your story has looked like in the past, um, God can still use you as a powerful instrument for good, for good, right yeah. from the present on. And you love that now they're all going to be encircled about every soul by a pillar of fire. And when we, how and remember, awesome was that day? <laughs> The weirdest day ever. It's like, why did this never happen? <laughs> but it is neat that it was like, when we were reading this earlier, you know, I read that. I was like, wait, they are criminal. Like, these people came to murder them. Like, that's why they showed up. And then now it's switched totally yeah. to like, it was just around those two. And now it is around all of them. Again, like what you're saying, look how quickly... Um, they began to prosper once they turned their hearts to yes, God. How quickly so he changed and, their circumstances. And it tells us in 44, they were filled with that joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. It was that fast that the cloud was gone. Um, and you love, um, we, we notice as we are reading this time, remember when President Nelson told us that it's not very often we get to hear the voice of the Father in Scripture? Um, but this is one of those places where it tells us a voice came out of heaven and it said peace peace be wait un- describe the voice in 46 because it's so okay, cute you describe the voice you <laughs> well look it says it came to pass there came a voice yea a pleasant voice as <laughs> if it were a whisper like that is just the most <laughs> tender so, description yes, of so a voice cute. and it says peace peace be unto you because of your faith in my well-beloved who was from the foundation of the world and then they cast their eyes up, and um, when they saw and heard these things, they were bidden to go forth and marvel not, and not doubt. And um, you love that the more parts of the Lamanites were convinced of them because of the greatness of the evidences which they had received. Um, and I, I love that thought, the greatness of the evidences, that just once they saw all that together, how many people wanted to come over and came over because of the one person that maybe if you were sitting in your congregation or in your ward, you'd be like, no, they they shouldn't do it. Um, pick someone else. And yet it was this one man who was the least likely of all of them who, who enables this great, amazing thing to take place because he just turned his heart and shared his story and knew what was the right things to do. And then all of this conversion happens because of it. There was a, um, a time when I was serving as bishop, um, a time when I was serving <laughs> as bishop, this one really hard time. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I was sitting on the stand um, and you know, almost getting ready for sacrament meeting to start. And it started and the opening song was going and this um, woman walked in who I'd never seen before in my whole life. Um, she had just moved into the neighborhood, apparently, and walked in and just wasn't wearing like a traditional like mm-hmm. LDS wear, you know, uh, just a little like, I don't know, a little funkier. And uh, 
spiky hair and and um, and tattoos and 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 she walked into the door and I just would guess based off of our conservative culture that the first time someone saw her they might think like oh you know <laughs> like fun you know um, where did you come from yeah but right when she walked in the spirit said to me that woman will be a leader of the women in this ward and I I was like okay Okay, then she will. And I just want you to know that she lit a fire in people. Um, that someone that you might have thought was so unexpected really like, helped people to be encircled about by that goodness and glory of, of God in, in her ministry. She was what you might call a dissenter. She walked away from the faith for a little bit and something had brought her back. And then she became this powerful force for good. And one of the things that was so awesome is this line right here, because of the greatness of the evidences yeah. which they had received, um, you we might be tempted to read that and think, oh, it was the earthquakes and the fireballs and everything that that's what convinced them. And I like to think it was his story of mm-hmm. how merciful God was to him. That that was the evidence that convinced the rest of them. Because it says in that 51, they were so convinced that they laid down their weapons of war and their hatred and the tradition of their fathers. And look, and they did yield up, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like we saw the yielding yeah. of the hearts earlier. And I was like, it makes me think that here were a group of people who thought, I think we're past hope. I don't think there's a second chance for us. And then to have this man who, who he said, man, I was all in and then turned my back against it. And God that quickly encircled me about in the fire and glory of his love. And maybe that was the evidence that convinced mm. them. Maybe there's a, a chance there's a place for me. For me. Yep. You know? and, that, and that door was open. Where was that verse that said like the door was wide open? The gate of oh, heaven. Remember yes. that one? The gate of heaven is wide open. And sometimes we have to see someone um, who we didn't think was allowed in come in before we think, oh, there is a spot for me yeah. also. So, yeah. Oh, it's such a good lesson. Aminadab is such a good lesson. Um, six is so good also. You're going to want to just read through six. We did not teach it today. Um, but it's going to talk about um, this time of prosperity again. You're going to see the pride cycle again in there. And... And then we're going to get introduced to the Gadianton robbers and their signs, their secret signs and everything that's happening. And the one thing I do want to point out here that is important to watch for, a phrase that is important to watch for in the book of Helaman is in the space of not many years. Um, you want to be watching that for that all through Helaman and through the beginning of third Nephi, where he's going to talk about, um, of that, of the change that can happen in the space of not very many years. And we'll watch it keep happening over and over again. And On both sides. Yeah, and right? we How a little quickly. bit see that in our own world right mm-hmm. now. So interesting just to make note of that as you're reading through six. And some hope right there for a second, right? They're just like, man, who would have thought? I, I kind of feel like we went downhill really quickly as far as contentions, dissensions, yeah. like trouble. And you're kind of like... I feel like we have a cloud of darkness in not so much many years, whatever the yeah, phrase, not, not so, so many, many years. years, but it's hopeful to think that can be reversed mm-hmm. in not so many years if we would just yield our hearts and invite back. God back into the story. Yep. So, so good. Okay. okay. We'll see you next week. Adios. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at don't miss this. 
Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.